I'm sure that probably all of you at one time or another have struggled with the concept uh, of resurrection, that, uh, that Jesus died and then Jesus rose from the dead, and, and, and that the Bible also speaks, and Jesus spoke about the resurrection of every person that will take place eventually uh, at the time of his second coming. We're going to go this morning to not really an obscure place as far as the resurrection goes, but not necessarily the one that a lot of churches are going to be turning to this morning. We're going to be looking at chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians, and I just want to say some things to kind of pave the path a little bit before we get too deep, and that is this, is is 1 Corinthians was a a letter written by uh, the church planner. In other words, the, the, the pastor who had come to Corinth, there was no church in Corinth, and he had actually uh, worked with Timothy and some other people to plant a church in Corinth. And we know that uh, the message that Paul gave them was the gospel that had been given to him directly by Jesus Christ. But what had happened is this is Paul had been gone for a while, and there were factions that rose up in the church, and they began to lead people astray to the point that they were denying certain aspects of the things that had been taught them about Jesus and about the church of Jesus Christ. One of those was the resurrection of the dead. That's an amazing thing to you and I, for, for most of us anyway. If you've been in church your whole life, or most of your life, or some time at all, you've heard constantly and repeatedly about, about Jesus being resurrected and the fact that we will all eventually be resurrected. But can you imagine being the Apostle Paul and getting news coming from a distance from this church that you had started in Corinth? And there were all kinds of bad things that were going on. A lot of sexual immorality accepted commonly in the church and this, that, and the other. But probably the most amazing thing that Paul ever heard is what we're going you know, to read about here. So let's just take a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19, what I'm talking about. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witnessed against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Give you just a little bit of a history lesson this morning. We are a PCA church, Presbyterian Church in America. We've been around since 1973. And let me give you one clue. One of the reasons that we are here is we defend the resurrection of the dead. We defend the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
One of the reasons the PCA formed was because there was a faction of Christians, an ever-growing faction of Christians or people or church people who began to deny the resurrection of the dead. 1925, in the PCUSA, the General Assembly adopted a statement called the Auburn Affirmation. And in that statement, it basically said that it was not right to impose fundamental doctrines as a, as a test of orthodoxy. And there were five of those doctrines. One of those was the inerrancy of Scripture. Number two was the virgin birth. Number three were the miracles of Jesus. Number four was the substitutionary atonement of Christ. And you guess what number five was? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what we're talking about here is a large denomination stepping away from what Christians have understood to be one of the most fundamental doctrines of our faith for the last 2,000 years. And men were allowed to remain in pulpits who denied those five things. We were, some of us, the older ones of us, that were around when the PC formed, had been members of the Southern Presbyterian Church. The reason the PCA formed, my friends, is because there was a movement within the Southern Presbyterian Church to adopt the Auburn Affirmation. That was putting the nail in the casket. And when our brothers and sisters in those churches and those pastors, they left the denomination, they did it because they believed that the denomination no longer was faithful to the Christian faith. And they could no longer be part of it. I mean, it's hard to conceive of anyone believing much of anything else that is familiar with Scripture at all and at the same time deny the resurrection of the dead because we understand this, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely essential to our salvation. And what I'm telling you here is this, is if Jesus wasn't resurrected, none of us was saved. It had to happen for us. No resurrection, no salvation, no salvation, no paradise. No resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I are still under God's condemnation for our sins. And we will answer to him for those. Verse 15, if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. You need to understand that Paul was writing to Greeks, ancient Greeks. And if you know anything about ancient Greeks, there was one of the philosophers named Plato, and he described the human body as the prison house of the soul. 
In other words, death was this great release of your, your, your soul from this prison it had been in in life. So, so how do you think people in Corinth would have initially thought about something like the resurrection of the dead? I mean, their conclusion would be this, is that, that that would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. You know, you've lived your life now, finally your soul has been, been, been separated from that prison that you've been contained in all this time, and now you're telling us we're going to go back to it? I mean, can you imagine how difficult it would have been to share the gospel with people that had grown up and lived that mindset their whole life. Totally contrary to their way of thought. Now we all have to admit that the resurrection of the dead is something that's rather difficult to believe. If you don't believe that, then you probably haven't thought enough much about it. Because it's contrary to everything that we see in life. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in the law of gravity? I would imagine that everyone here does believe in the law of gravity, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know, if I take my car keys and I move my hand away, what's going to happen to them? Or do you doubt that for one minute, that they're going to fall to the floor? I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could levitate them. I mean, I really do. But we know, we know that if I release these keys, they're going to hit the floor, not just on occasion, not sometimes, but absolutely every time. We can do it from now till the cows come home. And same thing is going to be the result over and over and over again. How many people here have ever seen anyone resurrected from the dead after they've been dead for three days? I mean, we hear stories about people who've died on the operating table and they were briefly considered dead for some minutes and whatever and then revived and that sort of thing. I heard about one woman that drowned in a cold lake years ago and because of the coldness and all of that, she was, they were able to revive her after several hours. But... To be cold dead and lay in a tomb for three days and then life to come back into your body. We know this. Everyone knows this. We, it, it just makes common sense. And that is for something like that to happen would take nothing short of an act of God himself. Apart from God, it's absolutely impossible that anything like that would ever happen. We know that it's not nothing that a human can possibly come close to causing so no one here is actually no one here was around when Jesus was resurrected we didn't see it with our own eyes we haven't heard him speak with our ears and and things like that sometimes we think it would be nice if we happen to have been there be, I mean, certainly in, in a sense probably would make th- things a little bit easier to believe but no one here actually experienced them uh, Jesus resurrected in that sense himself or herself so why do we believe it 
don't know if you realize this, but in Scripture, the thing that establishes truth is two or more witnesses. It only takes two witnesses to establish truth in a court of law. But if we were to read on through chapter 15 in uh, 1 Corinthians here, Paul talks about how, how Jesus revealed himself to all of those disciples. And then he revealed himself to 500 people at the same time. And when he gets down to the end of the list and he says, and he, and he revealed himself to, his, to, to James, who was his brother, who doubted Jesus Apparently, very close, to, at least to the in, very close up to the end of his life. It, maybe not until something happened, and the thing that happened was Jesus was resurrected, and then his brother James realized that all that Jesus had been saying about himself was true. He became one of the pillars of the church in Jerusalem. They called him Camel Knees. The reason being his knees began to look like camel knees. You ever see them? You know, they're all puffed up and wrinkled and and whatever. And the reason was because they say he spent so much time on his knees in prayer. James was changed. Paul says this, and least of all or last of all, he appeared to me. Here in 1 Corinthians, guys and gals, we have an eyewitness's testimony who actually saw with his eyes and heard with his ears the resurrected Jesus. Most of you probably don't know a whole lot about the apostles after... Matter of fact, a lot of them just fall into obscurity, even in the Bible. I mean, we don't have, you know, if it wasn't for historical documents, we would have no idea what Matthew did in his ministry, other than write his gospel. James, the son of Alphaeus, off into Bolivian. Simon the Zealot, we would know absolutely nothing about him at all. But history attests to the fact that all of these men, They went out, just as Jesus had commissioned them to do. They went out and they preached the gospel, which included that resurrection to Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the remotest parts of the world. They all died martyrs' deaths with the exception of the apostle John, who died a very old and broken man because he didn't die, but he was certainly tortured for his faith. All the other ones died proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even so, it's hard to believe. So hard that the the Lord actually has to open our mind and our heart to receive the truth of it. Very often we want to make the gospel all about us. All about what we get. We get eternal life. 
something is required of us. And that is faith and also repentance. Repentance means sorrow and grief over your sin because you've sinned against God and you know it. And it grieves your heart that you've grieved God's heart. That's what real repentance is. But the other one is faith. And if you have one, you have the other. If you have true faith, you have a repentant heart. If you have a repentant heart, the only reason you do is because you have faith. We all have faith in something. There are a lot of people today that have faith in science. Science is going to be the answer to everything. We're finding out new things all the time, which is true. Is science ever going to answer all of our questions? The answer to that is a definitive no. There are certain questions science just cannot answer. How long has it been since you've considered the resurrection of the dead? We live in a time when such thinking in many places is considered to be Sheer stupidity and folly. There are a lot of people out there today that are laughing at you and I for being here, believing what we believe. And they believe what we believe, that we believe what we believe because we're just ignorant people, simple-minded people that have to have a crutch. They have to have something they can lay hold of because they're not strong enough to get through life on their own, etc., 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 Stephen Hawking died this week. And if you know anything about Stephen Hawking, he's, the, uh, he's a theoretical physicist that, uh, that became very popular in more recent years, and he lived with uh, ALS for 50 years. He was diagnosed in his 20s, and he died last week at the age of 76. The interesting thing is this, is he was married for a good part of his adult life. And he had three children by a woman who was a Christian who believed in the resurrection of the dead. And she asked him one day if he believed in God, and she said he never really answered her. He did write things like this. I regard the brain as a computer, which will stop working when its components fail. There's no heaven or afterlife for broken uh, down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. The reality, my friends, is it comes down to this. I'm not going to say it's not important what Paul believed because that has everything to do with the gospel going forth into the world and the early church and etc. The question is, what do you believe? What do you believe about the resurrection of the dead? It is so central, guys. To everything. And the gospel really is in some ways very, very simple. But in other ways it is very, very complicated. 
I studied it intensely for years. And I finally come to the point that I realized that some things, and one of those is this, is if God could have done it some other way, I think he probably would have. I mean, after all, it must have grieved the, 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 the heart of God the Father to send God the Son into the world and, and, and suffer at his hand and everything else like he did. Can you imagine being a father and, submit and subjecting your own child to something like that? I mean, can you imagine being God? Jesus is God. Being God and stepping down, in essence, from your throne room for a time, in a sense. You need to understand he didn't do that entirely. But to take upon himself the flesh of a man for one reason. To save dirty, rotten scoundrels like us. The only reason. The sacrifice, guys, is just, if we just think about that for one moment. You hear people say all the time that salvation is a free gift, and there's a sense in which it is. It doesn't cost us. But imagine what it costs God. And then... See if you can conceive of any kind of a love that could possibly great, be greater than God's love. Even for people like us. It's the most amazing story that's ever been told. It really is. There's no doubt about it. And I believe this is if God could have come up with some other mechanism to accomplish what was intended in all of it, that he probably would have, that would require the son not to suffer as he did. And require not the son to have to come as he did. What I'm telling you is this, is it appears as if there was only one way possible one possibility in all of eternity for God to save you was by this particular way that was it no other road open otherwise he would have taken it and saved himself a whole lot of grief a whole lot of harm You can understand Paul's frustration here because he spent three years in Corinth and he, he feels like now that he wasted his time because these people are giving up on the, one of the most fundamental things or doctrines of Christianity. And he's going back and having to teach them all over again. All over again. If there is no resurrection of the dead, there are no saved people. There is no resurrection of the dead. If Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, we are all lost in our sins with no hope of salvation at all. There's no resurrection of the dead. All of those people who have already perished 
all the loved ones that we very often talk about meeting in heaven when we get there. They're gone and they've been gone since the time they breathe their last breath. Nothing left of them. There's no resurrection of the dead. Our message, the Christian message, is useless and worthless and meaningless. And we have wasted our lives chasing after it. And as a result, as Paul says here, of all people, we should be most pitied. Be pitiful people. Because we've wasted everything. But then comes verse 20. But. You know, very often we use but as a way to excuse away things that we've said or things that we've done. You know, I did this, but you need to realize. Or I said that, but that's not exactly what I mean. We use but, but, but all the time, usually as an excuse to explain away something we've said or we've done. It just says very boldly in verse 19, or in verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. First fruits of those who are asleep. So, where are you? I hope you accept it. And I hope you'd be willing to die for it. Because it's absolutely essential to the gospel. No resurrection. No gospel. But Jesus did rise from the dead. But there will be a resurrection of all people that have died at the time of the second coming of Christ. Because see, Jesus is coming back. There may be people today who doubt the resurrection of Jesus, but one of these days, no one on earth will doubt it. Because they will see with their eyes and they will hear with their ears. For those who are expecting him and who are waiting on him, it will be a time of great celebration. It will be that moment in their time when they will know. They will know definitively, without a doubt. There will be, there will be no weakness in their faith at all any longer. They will know that they did not waste their life, that they did not believe in a fairy tale, but they believed in the truth of God. But for those who don't, the second coming will not be a good thing. Because they will stand in God's judgment for their sins. They will answer directly to God for what they've done and what they've said in their life. 
and none of them will stand before his judgment seat. Not one. Not one will come close. But those who know that Jesus had purpose in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection for me, will be with him in paradise forevermore. Hallelujah.